You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How you doing, guys? This is Brent down in Houston, Texas. Uh, it's been a while since I called in, uh, but just real excited about the hire and, you know, just want to check in with you guys and make sure everything's going good down in Houston. Good weather. It's about 72 degrees down here now. Sunshine is out. Um, I just really looking forward to hearing you guys talk about the draft, talk about the upcoming free agents, just digging everything. Uh, thank you guys for helping my day go by a little faster when I listen to you. And y'all keep up the good work. Go book. Time to lock and load. Time to get control. Time to search for souls. What's up and welcome back to the Lockdown Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Brent, buddy, it was good to hear from you and uh, what a way to kick off a uh, voicemail Friday as we... uh, try to to mow through as many of these questions and comments and uh and calls as we can there is one that david and i are saving uh for next week it has to do with the patriots and we're gonna we are gonna talk a little bit you know about the super bowl even though this is locked on bucks podcast it's the super bowl we got to talk about it so don't worry, we are going to get to that question, but we're going to save it for a later show. As for today, though, we are going to get through as many of these as we can. Of course, some familiar voices on the line asking some questions, reacting to David and my overtime show. Uh, just a lot to get to. So, David, why don't we go ahead and just dive right in, buddy? Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Chris from Virginia, uh, Twitter handle at CB underscore Bucks underscore for life. Just a comment on the overtime rules. Um, here's kind of like my idea of the way I would go with it, all right? So you get in the position, this is regular season and playoff. Um, there's a key point system, okay? So home team, you know, that you'll take out the coin toss, all right? You go into overtime, you take out the coin toss. Kind of like baseball rules, the visitors always get the chance to go first and the home team um, gets the bat last. I would do that. Let the visitor um, get the first possession. Um, if they fail to score, then the home team gets the, the last possession to try to score. Um, with that being said, I wouldn't do any kickoffs. As far as, you know, um, I just start from their own 25-yard line, make them drive the ball down the field 75 yards or whatever to get a touchdown or a field goal. Um, so if the, if the home team, not the home team, if the visiting team goes down the field first, they kick a field goal, and then the home team gets the next possession, they drive down the field, and they get a field goal, then the quarter keeps going. But if they get a touchdown, then the game ends, obviously, because they'd have more points. But if no one scores at that 10 minutes, you know, that 10-minute regulation, then I like the idea of the shootout with the, the kickers. I wouldn't do anything from, like, 30 yards to 35 yards. I'd start at, like, 45 yards. Um and then going back five yards each time until someone misses. Uh, so those are kind of my thoughts. Take out the coin toss because there's really no need for it. Just allow the visiting team to get the first possession and then let the home team get the ball last. Um, and then, yeah, so those are just my thoughts. Uh, interested to hear what you have to say about that. Go Buck. All right. Well, Chris, appreciate the phone call. And, yeah, I mean, I would – I would be down for something like that. I don't think it would ever, I don't think the, the NFL would ever institute kind of that, 
that shootout that that I talked about on on our overtime episode or, or what you're referring to. But I mean, it makes a lot of sense, you know, just let the let the visiting team take the ball first. Home team gets to pick what direction they want to go. And yeah, each team gets one possession. If they're still tied after that, it's sudden death. You know, it makes it makes it real easy. Everybody gets a chance. I really don't have much of a problem with that at all. David, how about you? Yeah, Chris tweeted these rules as well. And yeah, I got comments on it that I would not start a protest hashtag about those rules. However, I've come up with a new idea. And as as most people do, um, I agree with me. And here's what I think. I think that uh, pretty much the same thing all the way through. But here's the catch. If it ends in a tie after 10 minutes, we play first to three misses field goal horse. Field goal horse. Yeah, I mean, you're not spelling horse, but it's the first kicker to miss three, you know, copy kicks. Interesting. That's what I want. I don't I don't know how I feel about that. I think I feel the same way about that as I do with the fact that Mike Evans is in the skills competition and he's going for best hands and he's stuck with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. That's not fair. Adam Thielen gets Russell Wilson. That's yeah. I think that's I think I feel the same way about the the field goal horse. <laughs> that's the best way I can put it. Field goal horse is the equivalent of Mitchell Trubisky as a quarterback. Wow. <laughs> you don't you don't like that comparison? No, I'm offended by that comparison. I, well, I will start I, a hashtag protest about your comment. I agree with me. Yeah, well that's that's good. At least you have one person. Anyway, I digress. Uh, uh, David, what do we have next up as far as the voicemails? Uh, we've got Jim from South Carolina. All right. Hey, James and David, this is, uh, Jim in South Carolina. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for quite a while now. Love the podcast. Keep them coming. Quick question for you. Kareem Hunt, is it worthwhile to look into him um, and, and you know see what happens as far as the NFL suspension and see if we can sign him after that uh, and do a full background investigation? Your thoughts on the whole Kareem Hunt situation? And, uh, again, thanks for your podcast. And, uh, hey, go Bucks. All right, Jim, thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. I think, David, that's the first time we've heard from, from Jim. Uh, am I, I, am I so. correct in saying that? Yes. All right. Well, appreciate the phone call. Hope it's the first of many. I wrote about Kareem Hunt over on BucksNation.com after Adam Schefter had said that there are multiple teams interested in Kareem Hunt and he will be signed sooner rather than later. And I believed that Bruce Arians is the type of coach that would take a chance on Kareem Hunt. He fits a need. And I, I quoted something out of Arian's book where he basically said, yeah, and I'm I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the exact quote pulled up in front of me, was that one of his biggest pet peeves with the NFL is they're too quick to dismiss the person. They're too quick to dismiss the human being instead of addressing the problem, helping the person become better, helping the person with whatever help they may need you know, they just kind of kick him to the curb. And we've seen that in the past. And he's he's big in second chances. We saw that with the drafting of Tyron Matthew. So if Bruce Arians were to go to Jason Light and say, hey, I want Kareem Hunt on the team. Uh, I, I think I can help him out. I think he helps the team out. 
I would be okay with it. I think he would do all right under this coaching regime. I would not have been as comfortable if Dirk Cutter was the guy to bring in Kareem Hunt. But if Bruce Arians gets his hands on him, I think that benefits Kareem Hunt both as as a player and as a person. There is a difference between an abuser and someone who abused someone else. That sounded better in my head than it did when it came out. But (laughs) uh, I think the point is, is this. Is Kareem Hunt someone who just has a violent temper, drunk or otherwise, and can't seem to control himself enough to be a positive representative of your organization because the NFL is so is much much more than a game which is which is one of the reasons and I don't want to get off on this tangent but when people say that these players get paid millions of dollars to play a game no they're they're getting paid millions of dollars for much much more than just playing a game as, as you know and hopefully some of our listeners know I, I'm I'm writing a series I'm kind of in the middle of a series of of articles that we're posting on Bucks Nation uh, comparing statistical production to salary, uh, salary cap hit anyway, uh, from from Buccaneers players this year. And I've gone over a few, Gerald McCoy, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson dropped today. And basically just comparing their output versus how much the Bucks invested in them in cap space. And, and what I'm noticing in the polls, if you, if you go back and look at them, is that there's always votes for they were overpaid. Um, even Jason Pierre-Paul, even Mike Evans, they have votes for they were overpaid. And I got it. Some people out there think that NFL players are just overpaid in general. But here's the thing. When you're, when you're talking about a talent like Kareem Hunt, you have to weigh in how he's going to reflect in the organization. So I don't know how much real press it got or how much traction it got, but he was accused of three total assault incidences this year. Not just the hotel one where he kicked the female, right? A lot of homework needs to be done. Um, a lot of homework. If it turns out that Cream Hunt, when he drinks, can't take an insult or a cat call or any type of ridicule whatsoever without losing his temper, at least from a stranger, then anybody who signs him needs to have an alcohol clause in the contract. And before anybody goes into what does an NFL team have the right to tell a player they can or can't drink or whatever? No, they don't. They have none. If Cream Hunt signs that contract, he's agreeing to a stipulation that a team has requested from him. So it's not a team imposing a drinking ban on a player. It's a player agreeing with a team that they will not drink because of previous incidences involving alcohol. And there's nothing wrong with that from, from an organizational standpoint. When you talk about the impact that NFL players have, on their brand, their fan base, the public, the community, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a franchise like the Buccaneers or anybody else who who entertains the idea of bringing Cream Hunt in, saying, in contract, in writing, black and white, legally binding, you will not drink while you are under the employment of this organization. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just like any other contract like we saw with Doug Martin. He was suspended for violating the NFL's substance abuse policy, his guaranteed right. money was void. Yeah, right. it, it would be the same principle. Right, because, and that and that's where the team has to do their homework and they have to decide, are we dealing with a player who is also a woman woman abuser, or, or I mean, it's not his wife, so you can't call him a wife beater, but, or are we dealing with a young man who sometimes or a lot of the times can't control his alcohol. I think it's the second. I think he can't control his alcohol, 
because one of the accusations that never went to court, never went to charges, uh, was against a man. He was char- he was accused of kicking a man in a nightclub. He apparently likes kicking things. Um, <laughs> He's you know better I mean? at it than Catanzaro. Yeah, Hi, but, how, but <laughs> yeah, but how many of us? I mean, how many of us out there can't say that we don't know an angry drunk or we aren't an angry? I'm not an angry drunk, but I know people who are angry drunks. And as a friend, you you try to keep those people in line. and You try not to let them put themselves in bad situations. But when you're dealing with someone like Kareem Hunt, I mean, if you watch the video of the altercation with that female in the hotel, you like his friend could to try and stop him from continuing his behavior. He literally bowled through two or three of his own friends to get to her. The only thing I would argue that the friends could have done a little bit better was maybe don't let him get that drunk. But again, he's a grown man, probably financing the trip to be quite honest with you. Um, so you're, you're going to kind of, you know, social norms and all that stuff says that you're probably not going to tell him what to do, but if he really wants a chance to revive his career and this is really what he wants for his life is an NFL career and to be an NFL football player, then he's going to have to accept some sort of moral clause in his contract that he probably didn't have in the first place. Kind of like what Tyron Matthew had to do with the Cardinals when he was drafted. Kareem Hunt's going to have to do the same thing. It's probably going to be very little guaranteed money, if any, and there's going to be a morality clause. At a minimum, there's going to be a clause that says, if you get in legal trouble, your money is void. Well, your, your money's not going to be void because it's not, not guaranteed anyway, but we will release you immediately or something. you know. Or it's going to specify... If it's me, if I'm Jason Light, it's going to say, you will not drink. Super Bowl, like we win the Super Bowl and there's champagne. You better have a closed mouth. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you will not drink while you're on the employment of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at least for the first year. After that, maybe it turns into just a straight up morality clause. Don't get in trouble. Don't get arrested. Do not land on TMZ. But if, are you talking about a guy who, like I said, he has three accusations from one calendar year, Okay. I don't think he has an abuse problem. I don't think he's just going around beating people. Either. Not an alcoholic. He just can't handle his liquor uh, when he drinks a certain amount. So so that's that's where I would go from it. But for the, for the people who think that he just should be banned from the NFL, look, people make mistakes. Young guys make mistakes. I'm not excusing the actions, but to just say throw somebody in a hole and never let them come out, um, playing in the NFL is a privilege. No, playing in the NFL is, is earned. And Kareem Hunt has put a lot of work. All these guys have put a lot of work into being capable of playing in the NFL. Like these guys weren't born doing all the things that they do. They weren't born with the footwork that they have and all this other stuff. Some of this stuff is natural. Speed, a lot of that sometimes is natural. I know guys who run fast as the wind and never train to do so. Got it. But putting all this stuff together is is work. Okay. So they've earned the talent that they have. They've put together the talent they have, which has earned them the opportunity to play in the league. So they've earned that opportunity. Now, whether they earn the right to stay in the league is different. I don't believe that a one-time suspension, a one-time problem should should do that. I know that's weird to say when you're talking about three accusations, but I don't know. It's it's there's a saying where you know the the deficiency you walk by is the flaw that you're accepting. If you if you expect a young 20-year-old millionaire to fix their own behavior when nobody around him is telling him that is or setting an example saying that his behavior is bad. That you, you just don't know 20-year-olds. Um, I got that he's an adult. I work with many, many, many young 20-year-old adults who don't get the picture, uh, even when they've been punished or corrected, whatever you want to call it, the first one to five to a dozen times. But that's why you have to put stern left and right limits on someone like Cream Hunt, who's coming in with a history, and you make them public. 
You know what I mean? Like uh, it's, it's that was, I mean, I hate to bring up old crap, right? But that was the biggest thing with the Jameis Winston investigations. Nothing was made public. So if, if I'm a team interviewing Kareem Hunt or signing Kareem Hunt, because he's going to end up with someone, he's going to get another chance. I make those stipulations on the contract and I make them very public. I let my fans, my community, the people who wear my logo know this is what we're doing to ensure that this person is going to be a productive member of this franchise. And if he doesn't live up to that, expectation and agreement we will do the right thing and he will no longer represent our our franchise uh that's yeah that's my thoughts yeah i mean i i can't think of one thing to to disagree with you on i i thought you nailed it and and one more thing i'll throw out here before we get to the next voicemail just kind of speaking from from personal experience there's there's somebody that that i've known for a long time and he you know he started to have a, a little bit of a of an alcohol problem. And it was, it was one of those angry drunk situations. He, you know, he couldn't control his temper when he drank, come to find out he was allergic to liquor. He can drink beer just fine. Happiest beer drunk you have ever seen. But anytime liquors involved got very angry, very belligerent. And it turned out there was, there was an allergy involved there. So, you could be looking at something like that with Kareem Hunt that maybe, you know, there is an allergy involved and it, it impacts his, his personality. And he doesn't even really realize the, the level to which he is taking things again, not an excuse. Again, he does need help, you know, getting, getting whatever is wrong with him figured out. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree that if he's willing to take on that responsibility of, you know, getting the help that he needs and, and bettering himself as a human, he should get a second chance in the NFL and, and not be cast aside. So David, what do we have next up as far as the voicemails? Uh, So we got another one from Chris pertaining to rule changes. So let's go ahead and hear what he has to say about this rule. All right. Hey James, hey David, it's it's Chris again. Hey, if, as long as we're making changes to the NFL rules, here's one that I would like to see changed. I really never understood. Um, practice squad players, you know, you can activate them to the 53, but if, you know, you can't just demote them back to the practice squad. Instead, you have to release them. Hopefully they're back up on waivers and no one claims them and you get them back. I just feel like that's a um, very drawn-out system. Uh, I think they should just change the rules, right? You guys get 10 practice squad players. You can promote them and demote them at any time you, you see fit. Um, with that being said, I don't like that other teams can sign players off your practice squad at any time. Um, I think they should make more of a, hey, if you want someone off my practice squad, you got to give me compensation. You know, it, it wouldn't be anything, you know, like a first-round pick for Bubba Wilson. Come on. Um, it would be like, all right, we'll give you a seventh-round pick or a sixth-round pick, something, you know, less meaningful, I guess you can say. Those don't really have too much impact unless your uh, name's Tom Brady. But, uh, yeah, that's just kind of where I see it. I think practice squad rules and the whole you can have 53 players on a roster, but only 40, 46 of them can dress on game day. I just think that all needs to change and really makes no sense of why it's structured that way. I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, be interesting to hear someone else's perspective. Have a great day. And as always, go Bucks. All right, Chris, thank you again for uh for the phone call 
I have no problem with the way the practice squad thing works. Honestly, I don't have a problem with the whole having to play someone on waivers. If he goes unclaimed, you can put him back on your practice squad. Like none of that bothers me. I do think that the whole inactives, you can only dress, um, you know, X number of players rather than your full 53 man squad. I think that's ridiculous. I I think if you're going to have a 53 man roster, you should be able to dress 53, you know, And, and we've seen kind of what happens when you have, injury after injury after injury at the same position in one game like you're you're stuck you you have nowhere else to go uh as far as as that position goes because you've already shorted yourself seven guys so i would like to see that go back to you can dress all 53 on game day but as far as as practice squad and having to go through the waivers and all that i have no problem with with the way the nfl does things um you know, it's I I, I get how it, it's beneficial for you know, say baseball. You can send guys down, call them back up, send them down, call them back up. You can kind of rearrange things based on the DL and and all that. But you're talking about a season that lasts 162 games, so you need a little bit more flexibility there. With with the NFL, I think if if you have a 53 man roster and you're dressing 53, you don't really have a big need to send guys down, pick or call guys up, you know, things of that nature. So I, I agree with the, um, with the 53 man roster. I, I really couldn't care less about the way that they handle practice squad. So I actually like the practice squad stuff. Um, I actually think, I actually think that the practice squad should be bigger. That I, I could be on I would, for. I would probably say like 15 maybe, but I like the fact that teams can steal players off of your practice squad because it prevents you from, hiding some some other players that you know would get playing time on another roster so to speak um well, yeah, i don't know it cam, just i think it protects i was gonna say cam Brates the the perfect example he was on the bucks practice squad and he was picked off by the saints and then they let him go and and the bucks got him back but yeah i mean we've we've seen guys emerge from the practice squad after being taken off you know another team and and really flourish right and and um as far as like having to give up draft picks um six and seventh round draft picks are not uh invaluable um they definitely carry some value uh so i don't like that either um but as far as a 53 man active roster yeah I, I agree completely that they should all be able to dress they should all be active i don't see why not and, and it might be, I don't know why that is the way that it is. Maybe it, it has something to do with team finances and all that stuff. These, these collective bargaining agreements are, they're just, they're just a tug of war between ownership and players and money and rights and power. And it all kind of intertwines into a collective bargaining agreement. And I don't know, maybe there's something where, uh, you know, you, you have, you have bonuses for, you know, being active for so many games uh, stuff like that. So if you don't dress and you're not getting credit for an active game and, and you have uh, restricted free agent rules that are based off of uh, credited seasons, which are based off how many games you're active and you know, it, it all intertwines, but on, on the surface of it, no, if you're going to have 53 players on your, your permanent roster, whatever you want to call it, your active roster, they should be active. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that just makes sense to me, but there's a lot of things in sports. I mean, like the baseball salary cap, if whatever it exists, NBAs, it's like, it's just craziness. Um, 
I don't know how they get to these numbers. It just seems like a lot of people complicating things that don't need to be complicated. But yeah, I, I agree with with that standpoint of of the conversation. But the the practice squad thing, I don't agree with. I think that the practice squad rules are fine uh, the way that they are. What if they did this? Let's see if we can find some middle ground here because you do find some diamonds in the rough off of practice squads. Mm-hmm. So let's say the Buccaneers sign someone off of the Colts practice squad. No. We'll say this is for the 2019 season. Mm -hmm. I would be perfectly fine with a conditional 2020 draft pick being the compensation. The condition being if the player starts 75% of of the games that he's on the roster for, they get a sixth round pick. Or if a player has, you know, a a 30% snap count during his tenure with, with the team, they get a seventh round pick, something like that. You know, if, if you, if you pick someone off the practice squad and they play, you know, they're on the, the kick, uh, the kickoff squad or, or, or the, the punt unit, you know, that's, that's one thing. But I mean, if you're talking about a guy with the impact that, you know, we saw out of Cam Bray, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world to, to have to give up a little bit of that compensation. So I think you could work something in that way. Again, nothing, nothing any higher than a sixth round pick. And again, it would have to be conditional for the following uh, for for the following job, maybe you know, maybe if you if you pick someone off of someone's 2019 practice squad, they don't get that draft pick until the 2021 draft. Yeah, something like that. So you're you're still a ways down the line, but I wouldn't hate that too much. I would, because you're 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 rewarding the team that lost the player for nothing. Like, so if if this guy is sitting on your practice squad. That means you don't think that they're one of the best 53 players on your roster uh, that can help you. Or, well, they're not one of the top 53 players on your roster that can help you win in the NFL. And another team scoops them up and then says, hey, you're actually pretty good. You are one of the top 53 players that can help us win. Even better, you're one of the top 40 players on this in this franchise that can help us win. So we discovered your talent and harnessed it and schemed it into fruition and made you helped you realize your, your potential. Um, I don't want the other team fail who failed to realize that potential lucking into a draft pick that could turn into Tom Brady or Terrell Davis or anybody else. Like but, you didn't, you didn't, you the, like if the saints were to get <clears throat> a six or seven round draft pick from the bucks, because Cameron Bray turned into a starting tight end in the NFL, the saints, what the Saints did to get that draft pick is not realize how good Cameron Bray could be. I don't like it. Like when you, when you get a compensatory pick for losing a free agent, it's because you lost a free agent that has already proven his worth, and you just couldn't keep him either because of contract differences or salary cap. You know, whatever it is, for whatever reason, you couldn't keep him. So you're being rewarded in the spirit of keeping things even. Uh, but at least he, you're the team that he became a value free agent with. So you did something. You developed him or you, you know, helped him build his reputation, whatever it was. You did something. So getting something in return, I could see that because you did something. 
but losing a player because you stashed them on the practice squad failed to realize they could contribute and then someone came in behind you and stole them because you didn't realize what you had, uh, you should not be rewarded for that. If anything, you should have to give up an extra draft pick. I don't know. I guess I view it similarly as as the compensatory pick because to me, you're you're getting these compensatory picks because you're not willing to spend money. Like you're being rewarded for being cheap. Yeah, that's how that's how the yeah. the comp picks are are calculated. Is you had players leave to make this much money, and you only spent this much money, so we're going to give you some draft picks. Like, I me, mean, if you, it's the same thing. Yeah, no, I actually agree with you. I mean, to, to be completely honest with you, I don't like compensatory draft picks anyway. Um, I get why the NFL wanted them. It, the effort is, you know, we don't want a team like the Patriots going from the AFC Championship game to the number one overall pick because they lost a couple free agents. I get that. To a certain extent, I don't like it, though. Um, I don't like the compensatory pick system, uh, period. The Players Association probably likes it because the compensatory drafts picks uh, add more players to the NFL every year. So there are more players getting opportunities to make it in the league who otherwise wouldn't have gotten it. So there's a give and take there as well. But like I said, at least in the compensatory pick situation for a free agent, like I said, you did something to at least help that player get to where they, they got. So at least your franchise contributed to the success of the player leading to the pick that you're getting. But in this case of losing a practice squad player, your team did nothing. Your team, literally out of the words of BA, stood them on the sidelines and said, you're not a diamond in anything. Stand there and get mental reps. And then another team came in and said, hey, maybe if you got more than mental reps, you'd be something. And ta-da, you are. I don't think the league should come back and say, Hey, good job realizing talent where this other team didn't realize talent. Now give them stuff. Uh, I don't like it. All right. All right. I disagree profoundly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, David, we are up against the time. Did we have any more voicemails or we we still have more that we will have to answer at another time? Okay. Yeah, we will get to those. um, I don't know. Maybe we'll get to those on Monday's episode and we can, uh, we can start to dive into a little bit of Super Bowl preview uh, if we're uh, if we're able to get to that Patriots question that I know we have sitting there on the docket. But as long as everything works out and all the stars align, mm-hmm. we will still be bringing you a very special episode on Saturday. So keep an eye out for that. Of course, we will blast it all over social media. Until then. Make sure you are checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, hopes, dreams, fears that you would like to share with us, you can, of course, do so by giving us a call at 813-444-5841. Hope you all have a wonderful and enjoyable Friday, and thanks so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. Hey, boys, it's Canyon up there in uh, Denver. Just wanted to comment on what uh, Tyler from Boston said about the uniforms. Man, I, I'm not one for, for being flashy or, or caring about what, what teams look like, but, man, they, they look god-awful, and I, I can't stand them, uh, mainly for the fact that I just love the, the classic 2000s red and black buck uniform. You know, Mike Allstott, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, uh, Rondé Barber, all those guys just looking so clean in those uniforms, and I, and I love it. And the very first football game that I ever went to 
was the 2002-2003 season where we took home the championship, and it was just very nostalgic, and that's what I'll always remember the Bucks looking like. But I uh, also wanted to comment on this whole overtime thing, and I'm sure uh, plenty of people agree with me on this, but uh, like football, it's a sport. If you want to be better, be better than the other team. It's straight up. If I win the toy cost and uh, and I get heads and I, I go on offense, well, stop me. Stop me. If you're the defense Stop me from getting to the end zone. That's all I got to say. And that's vice versa. You know, like if, if, if I'm on the defense, I need to stop them. I need to come out prepared. This is what, this is what I get paid to do. This is, this is my life. I, I, I train for this. And, and if I can't stop this team, well, I deserve to lose. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see how, uh, you know, each team getting the ball. I mean, I guess I can see how how that would justify and, and play into the whole, you know. Oh, I wish uh, I wish Patrick Mahomes would have got the ball, but you know they should have stopped him. Kansas City should have stopped him. Uh, that's just my thinking about it. But uh, anyway, guys, I'm gonna leave y'all alone. Uh, have a good day and uh, go Bucks.